0: Welcome to The Right Conversation. I'm your host, J.D. Dubois. And I'm Dr. Corey Yeager. The Right Conversation is brought to you by Everyone Has a Story and Our Friends at Broken Blanket Media. This podcast is meant to be a safe space, a compassion-filled space, a space for you and me. So bring your differences and come as you are. Together, we are going to normalize the conversation around mental wellness, Welcome to the the right conversation. We have Casey K, a NBA and WNBA host, as well as NBA Kicks host and social influencer in the in the fashion world, and probably someone who has more closets for her shoes than most. Uh, Casey, welcome. Welcome to the right conversation.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, when you hear when you hear the term mental wellness, what does that what does that mean to you? What what comes to mind when you hear that that term?
1: Um, I don't know. I kind of have like I don't want to say like a I don't want to say it comes like with bad connotations, but I feel like people when they hear like anything mental, like they think it's like negative. Oh. Um, for me, I don't necessarily think of it that way. I mean, I will admit when I was maybe younger I did look at it as something that was like negative or you know like looked down upon essentially but now especially with it being like not necessarily like mental health but mental wellness I feel like it's something
0: that is like a little bit more on like the positive end of like mm-hmm.
1: you know mental mental health
0: yeah. and that makes sense doc have you seen that with with the kids that you've worked with that that conversation amongst adolescents isn't really well-received?
2: Well, yeah, I think to some degree, one of the the things that we see with adolescents is the invincibility of adolescents. Like, nothing's going to, I mean, it's not going to impact me. It's not going to affect me. So I think that younger adolescent generation um, tends to shy away from um, engaging or researching and all those things that come along with what the adults may quote unquote, adults may be doing. Um, so I think that's probably a normal, normalized situation. Um, but it's it, to some degree becomes our task as the adults to reach down and convey the messages to those younger people about how important it is to engage with our mental wellness. Mm-hmm.
0: And then, Casey, was there a certain time frame that you can recall where you kind of shifted from, okay, this mental health? Stuff is is, is 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 it's not as comfortable to talk about to where it became oh this isn't this isn't that bad was there a person or a, a time that you can recall where that shifted?
1: Um, I would probably say it was like right when my grandma passed away. Mm.
0: Um,
1: I it was it used to be hard for me to talk about uh, the situation, but I was in like a physically abusive relationship. So I was dealing with, like, a bunch of, like, mental, like, I don't want to say issues, but I feel like he was, like, mentally abusive as well. Um, and so once my grandma – it sucks that it kind of had to, like, be that, but it was, like, I felt like that was, like, a turning point for me. It was, like, when I lost my grandma, it was, like, okay, like, um, if I don't try to seek help or I don't try to, you know, figure out how I can deal with, like – my mental health and my mental wellness, like it's just gonna go downhill from here. And so that was like kind of like the turning point for me. And I was like, okay, like something has to change and I need to start talking about things or I'm just gonna keep everything bottled up. And mm. and then yeah, like I said, like that was like the turning point for me. It was like I broke up with him right before that, that happened and then it was like, Okay, now I'm gonna, you know, start this
2: path, this journey to like a very
0: that positive process. mental
2: yeah. yeah. So, Casey, use a term um, that you just said, uh, keeping things bottled up. Um, And sometimes that's what we tend to do is hold everything in. Um, We don't want to burden others with our struggles. Um, So I'll just hold it in. Um, Talk a little bit about how that has impacted you. Um, Have you learned to look at things differently and not bottle it up? Because I think a lot of our listeners do that same thing. Um, all of us really do to some degree, how have you how have you worked through that um that process of not bottling things up in the in the middle wellness arena?
1: So I think for me, it started um a kind of a little backstory on like where I would say like I started to like bottle things up with like my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was really young in third grade. um and at that time, it was like she was the like, the most important thing to everybody at that time, right? And it was, like, her health and, you know, her mental wellness. It was, like, nothing really else mattered. And and so at a young age, I was I was kind of taught, I don't think intentionally, but, like, to deal with things on my own because there was so many other bigger things going on. So many big, like, my mom obviously having cancer was way bigger than, you know, me having a bad day, right? So mm-hmm. it was, like, I learned to deal with things on my own because, I felt like I needed to belittle my problems or my issues or my emotions, whether it was regarding my mom's sickness. Um, It just, to me, it wasn't as important as to what she was going through. And so that's, I feel like, where I learned to, like, bottle things up and deal with things um, on my own. And then that was kind of, like, the mindset I had um, growing up was, like, you know, like, there's always bigger things to worry about. Like, nobody really cares about my problems. Um, And I think that was... In a sense, I do feel like it was, like, me being unselfish in that situation, but I also feel like it was, in a way, being selfish to myself hmm. because I wasn't dealing with my own stuff, and in, in turn of all that, it was, like, I was only hurting myself, mm-hmm. and so um, I, I dealt with things like that for the longest time, and then once it, like I said, at that turning point with, like, my grandma, it was, like, I need to start putting myself first and being a
0: little bit selfish when it comes to me or I'm just going to drive myself insane. And Doc, and you, so. you used the the analogy of when you're on the plane, if there's an emergency, the masks are going to come down, but first put yours on first. Yes. Put yours first before you assist children, before you assist anyone else because how can you be helpful to another person if you're not okay? And, and, and Casey, I wanted to... To know what role did sports play, if any, in being that support system, growing up as as your personal world was um, filled with some difficulty, uh, did sports play any form of an outlet for you?
1: Absolutely, one thousand percent. Like I, I, it sounds so corny, but it was like I used to say when I was younger, like basketball was like my like my drug, basically. It was like mm. I stepped foot in that basketball gym and. Every, nothing else mattered. Like, everything else went away. I forgot about everything. Like, if the world was literally crumbling outside the gym, me being in that gym made me forget about everything. So, absolutely, I think sports. And, I mean, I think it's really important, too, like, your coaching system, your teammates. I mean, those were, like, my best friends. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And those were people I, I trusted. They were people that I loved being around. And, you know, it kind of, even though it was sometimes just temporary, obviously being in the gym and or being there for hours, it was it was so exhilarating and it was so stress relieving to be in there mm-hmm. that it was like, if I didn't have sports, I probably would have went crazy. And like that for, was like my outlet.
0: For me as a coach, that's really how I try to address every day is knowing that these players are using this game, some of them as an outlet to a lot of personal stress and a lot of personal battles and understanding that as a coach, yes, performance is important, but I also have to make sure I greet these uh, players as as human beings first, Uh, because if they can feel supported as individuals, uh, the ability to perform I think it is much easier uh, because like you're saying, this is, an, this is an outlet. this is a place where I can go and forget about forget about everything. So the last thing we want to do as coaches is make you dread uh, the sport that has been almost therapeutic for you um, mm-hmm. for, for a lot of these uh, players' lives.
2: Yeah, so to that point, Casey, uh, one thing that I'm reminded of, so so many athletes like yourself describe the opportunity to be on the court and everything. I think you said everything outside of the court could be crumbling, but the safety and security and therapeutic piece of being around your peers and being on the court kind of let let everything else um, diminish in, in how you're feeling and thinking about things. So i am been reminded of, as we are dealing with everything we're dealing with now, Sports is on the sideline. Everything is kind of uh, taken away. So the outlet that many athletes utilize is now been snatched away from us. Um, yes. so, so then, just my question, Casey, is with that being the case, how do you manage, how have you been managing, uh, specifically in the last few weeks, when so many outlets that you may have have been shut off? So how are you managing given that new reality?
1: I mean, for me, it was like, again, it was like a thing of like, I feel like being selfish and being like, okay, all these other things are being taken away from me, but now I'm being presented with so many other opportunities, Mm. like other things that I didn't have time for. Now I have time for. So it was like, okay, yes, like maybe basketball, Physically was taken away from me, you know, maybe not being able to go to the gym and things like that. But it's like, okay, well, what else can I do in my life that makes me happy that I wasn't able to do before? Because either one, I didn't have the time, or two, I just didn't make time for. So it's like now we're forced to essentially find other things to keep ourselves busy. And you know, for me, it's like I just was like, I just can't make excuses. Like, I could literally sit on the couch and do nothing this entire quarantine, but that's probably going to make me go insane. So it's like, okay, I wasn't somebody that like, to cook, but it's like, okay, now I have the time to do it. Like, let me try to pick up other things that potentially could make me happy or, you know, kill time or essentially, like, a new skill to pick up. And like I said, for me, it was just like, don't make excuses, you know. I still work out every single day, like, whether it's, you know, walking my dog and then running the hill with him or doing an exercise, like workouts at my house. Like it's, it's more so of a thing of like, don't make excuses, but what can I make of
2: with what I have? Mm -hmm. See, I think that's golden for our listeners to hear. Um, Taking the opportunity now to do the things that many times we've told ourselves the story of I'm too busy to do that, or I'll get to that at some point. Now may be the point where you get to emphasize And focus on things that you couldn't before. Um, One thing that that I heard you say, use the term selfish. I think sometimes, Casey, it may be a little different language. Because one of the things that we all have is self-interest. So we can call something selfish. But self-interest drives every single thing that we do. Like what? Uh, Well, so anything. Mm -hmm. So even me, I chose to, to get married and have a family. Well, there's self-interest that drives me having children Hmm. because I want to be seen as a good father and I want to be seen as somebody that raised good kids. So even though it may seem like that I didn't have any selfishness or any self-interest that drove me to say, let me get married and have kids, deep down inside there was self-interest that was driving even that
0: that decision. Not necessarily negative.
2: No. So if we can look at self-interest as being... Okay, because it drives everything that we do.
0: That's a, um, that's a pretty powerful realization, too. Yeah. To understand like, it's okay to take care of self, it's okay to look out yeah. for you. There's nothing wrong with that.
2: It's okay to yeah. put the oxygen mask on. What I, do you
1: think? I think that's where people like forget about things oftentimes is like we put ourselves on the back burner so many times yep. you know what I mean yep. that I think and that's and that's why I said it was like for me that turning point was like before it was like okay everyone else is more important than me like my problems are, are you know what I mean like I feel like people need to stop looking at like a problem is a problem you know what I mean like there's yes there's problems that are smaller than others and yep. yes there's something you know what I mean but it's, it's like you said it's hard to compare those things so it's mm-hmm. like you know what I mean my thing is like we do need to be a little selfish when it comes to ourselves. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, it's like, we're all we got. You know what I mean? Like, Like, yes, we have family, but it's like, you know what I mean? Like, in that sense of, like, being selfish, I think it's, like, a good thing if you know how to manage that.
2: So, so Casey, you said that we all have to, uh, I don't know the exact term you used, um, but that we all have to have that level of self-interest and being okay with in our minds thinking through saying, it's not me being negative or selfish. It is that I'm now in tune and plugged into what interest is, is there in this situation for me? And why does that drive my decision-making process? <laughs> what is it that I'm looking for that, uh, the reason that I'll do this or do that? Um, and just being aware and clear about that level of interest, um, I think is a, is an awareness that we all need to really kind of lean on, lean in on, especially now. Case, how do
0: how do you balance being a, a social media influencer where a lot of your content is geared to making sure that your following uh, gets a chance to to see your life and and you're you're pretty much always giving yourself to those that are interested in all of the different things that you do how do you find time or find balance and not not getting depleted or not feeling depleted uh, because of the uh, consistency of social
2: media great question
1: um i feel like it's really important to have a balance
2: Hmm. um
1: yes most of you know, or a lot of what I put on social media is my life, but I think it's really important for people who essentially do what I do to keep a little bit of a private life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Although people might think they know everything about me, they really don't. You know what I mean? And I think that's really important to keep right. And I think there's, it's really important to keep some things private and some things to yourself. And you know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. I feel like you'll lose your sanity if you're continually trying to put things on social media. Mm -hmm. And it really does take some like a strong person to, you know. I feel like be a social media influencer or whatever you want to call it just because it's like essentially your your life is on the forefront it is out there for everyone to see so it's like like I said going back to having a balance and making sure that you know you still do keep some of your personal life personal I think that's where I like you know what I mean like I don't deplete myself
2: yeah I think recognizing when we're moving towards depletion Right. So right. let's not. I mean, we think about our cell phone, Casey, if my cell phone is at one and I've got 20 calls <laughs> to make, and I don't have a charger, I've waited too late. I've depleted right. all of the, the battery. It's now too late, as opposed to when it's at 22 percent, mm-hmm. finding some moments to charge and plug in. So recognizing right. that things may be moving towards, man, I'm my energy is low. How do we recharge and not wait right. till we're at one percent? Um, right. Doing it, doing it all, all along, I think is really important.
1: Right, and I think for me, it's like, I mean, I can't really speak for anybody else, but for me, I, I pretty much am who I am. Even though I, you know, like I said, I keep private, private. I still feel like who I portray on social media is the same person I am in real life. So it's like it's not really like I'm doing anything different. I'm just kind of like basically taking a picture and letting like sharing that with everybody you know what I mean it's not like I'm trying to portray Mm -hmm. that I'm somebody else or that I have to be somebody else so it's like not really draining in that sense because it's like I want to kind of share that with my following you Mm -hmm. know what I mean I want to you know be as open with them as possible because I feel like you know a lot of people essentially like look up to me and so I I talk about things I post things just because I want people to you know feel Like, they can relate to me. And I know I've had so many people reach out to me and Uh be like, hey, like, I feel like I know you, like, you've got me through tough times just by opening up about your stories or just seeing you, you know what I mean, and your, like, your energy, like, so it's like, I feel like I have, I've been blessed to have a platform where I can be myself and be very true to myself, that that's where I don't feel like I've, like, drained myself or, you know what I mean, or... I guess, like,
2: exhausted myself in that sense. So, Casey, quick question. Um, With your social media platforms and engaging um, your social networks, um, over the past uh, three, four weeks, uh, a new normal has occurred in the world. It's a global issue that we're all facing. Things are quite different. Do you find yourself engaging your social media platforms any differently today than you did previous um absolutely
1: i obviously have so much downtime. i have gotten on live quite a bit more than normal um but i feel like because i don't really like post many like videos or me talking even on my story like i don't really talk a lot so i feel like um i've been with all this time now that i have i've just been going on live and that has um gave me opportunity to engage more with like my following and so i've done a bunch of like, q a's where they've gotten to know me and a lot that's of people are cool. like wow this is the first time i've heard your voice this is the first time i've heard you talk um and i think that's for what most people want from like a social media influencer i guess essentially or i think is that they want somebody that they can relate to so mm-hmm. it's like just really being myself and putting myself out there and you know Getting on live with no makeup and just answering questions and being as raw as possible, like that's I feel like the thing that's been um, the difference for me in these past couple weeks is like they've gotten like the real me. I'm answering live questions, you know what I mean? Like they're seeing me essentially. Sure they're just having conversations with me. Um, I'm just the one talking, you know what I mean? And so that's really the only yeah. thing that's changed for me. But I feel like with that, I've been able to engage more with my following, um, which has been really nice.
2: So Casey, tell me quickly for. Those of us who are not savvy, um, in terms of social media, I I mean, I understand it to whatever level that is, what is just quickly, it's a sidebar. What is a social media influencer?
1: Um, I think there's a, a couple different definitions. I know from my definition, it's someone that like works with brands, um, represents brands, promotes brands, um essentially is influencing, influencing others, um, whether it's to buy, to, you know, market items. Um, again, like the social media influencer thing is kind of rolled into me doing like work with like hosting with the NBA and WNBA and stuff like that. But, um, <clears throat> essentially it's just really been having a platform that influences others, like literally as it is like a social media influencer, someone who is, you know, for a lot of people,
2: it's like almost influencing people to buy things, do things, go to things. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that makes sense. That, that makes sense. I appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Yeah. And then, case obviously, you know, you grew up playing basketball, like you spoke about earlier. Uh, as a as a uh, former athlete, do you recall there being any outlet to receive? psychological support and Mm. either if you did or you didn't how do you feel you and your peers could have benefited from having some direct psychological support in your adolescent years uh, playing
1: so me i really feel like times have changed
0: um i feel
1: like i feel like growing up um mental health had a very negative connotation, as I kind of had mentioned. And that's why when you asked me what it meant to me, mm-hmm. that's why I kind of said that.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and maybe that shows my age, but, um, I mean, <laughs> growing up, it was kind of looked down upon, so to say. And I don't know if it was like a thing like, you know, with like growing up around like minorities or things like that, you know what I mean? Or growing up in like a certain area, you know what I mean? Um, it just wasn't something that was really talked about. You know what I mean? And if somebody did have some type of mental health issues or whatever, it was like, they were like the black sheep of the family, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Um, and so it really wasn't something that was talked about. It was almost something that was like, put a sheet over and don't talk about it. Right. Mm-hmm. That's how I remember it. And I don't remember there being a lot of outlets, um, at all, if any. I remember the only outlet that was forced upon me was support group when my mom had breast cancer. Um, and at that, age, I was, I was in third grade and I was forced to go to a support group with other kids to talk about, you know, our situations. And, and I don't know, like maybe it was just cause I was young or cause I didn't want to talk about things being forced to talk about it. I feel like Really did made me really not want to talk about anything, and so I do feel like as I got older, um, if there, if I look back now, and if you know opportunities presented itself where there were you know people to talk to, or you know that opportunity was even presented to us, I think that it would have definitely made an impact um, on myself and peers. You know what I mean? But looking back, I'm like there was like I said, it was just something that wasn't talked about. Like I'm I'm thinking like even back to college, it was like, nobody, nobody asked us how we were feeling. Nobody Mm. asked us like, you know, like, Hey, like, how are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, it was never that question. Like, Oh, like, how are you holding up? Like, you know, how is school? Like, it wasn't that. Like, make sure you get to study all the time. Right. especially being an athlete, it was just like, hey, yo, like, when's your next game? Like, you ready for the next game? It was never like, yo, like, how's your mental health? Like, how are you doing outside of basketball? Like, there was never those questions asked. And I I really do feel like kids nowadays, like, really need to take advantage of the the outlets that are being presented now. You know what I mean? With, like, being able to talk to psychologists and things like that. um, Because I really do feel like it will help so many people. And I feel like
2: athletes really could benefit from it. So, so Casey, one thing that that I'm reminded of when you say that is there's really a thin line of recognizing that there are resources to be supportive in the psychological realm Mm -hmm. and folks forcing to your point, forcing people into, hey, you need to go see somebody. Hey, you need to go talk to them. Hey, go to this group therapy session and mm-hmm. and divulge and talk and get pushed into that um, because that I would assume I'm not speaking for you um, I'm really asking well, how does that impact you because now you've been forced into something mm-hmm. that you really really don't necessarily understand and mm-hmm. don't may not want or agree um, and many times I'm guessing that could force people away from right. engaging with that. But it didn't seem to be the case for you. Can you talk just a little bit about how you still found your way, even with that early influence in the psychological realm being negative?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, I'm not going to lie. It was because it was forced upon me. It was like, I don't want to talk about it. And for so many years, it was like, I'm not going to talk about it. And I'm going to bottle it up and I'm going to deal with myself. It's my, like, that was the mentality I had. It was like, and I would say it to my family. I would tell them, I'd be like, it's my problem nobody needs to deal with it, but me, mm. that was, I said all the time to anybody, I'm like, I don't want to talk about it, because it's my issues, like, I need to deal with it, nobody yeah. else, like, I don't want to put that <laughs> burden on anybody else, okay. and then, you know, growing up, that was, like, the mentality I had with everything, you know what I mean, like, yeah. I don't want to talk about it, it's my problem, and and that was, and to look back now, is, like, that was so stupid of me, you know what I mean, and, and, and I think that it was, like, Once I realized that it was, like, okay to talk about things and it was, like, I think when it was more so of a thing of, like, I heard from other people that I, like, they were dealing with similar things as me and, you know what I mean? It was, like, I was talking to my peers and I felt like they had situations that were relatable to mine. It was, like, it wasn't until I started talking about things that I realized I wasn't the only one in it. And now that I look back, I'm, like, had I up about things where I thought it was my problem, I need to deal with it, I could have been opening up and realized that maybe I could have even helped somebody else, mm-hmm. or I could have seen back then that it wasn't just me, it wasn't just my problem, there were so many other people that were dealing with the same thing, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. now I've just caused yeah. myself years and years of stress and bottling things up and, you know, all this weight on my shoulders when I could have simply just had a conversation. And and I think to kind of, not, not to get off track, but just to say, like, I want people to understand, especially young, young adults, um, and, you know, youth or whatever age you may be that you don't have to talk to like a psychologist or somebody Mm. to, to, you know, open up about mental wellness. It could be like a peer, it could be a coach, it could be a family friend, it could be, you know what I mean? A parent, It, it doesn't matter who it is. And I think that's where maybe I think young adults get confused is like, okay, like, we have to talk to a psychologist to either get better or to open up about things when it could literally just be like your assistant coach or your coach or, you know what I mean? Like somebody yep. that helps out with your yep. team or a friend or any, it be anybody, you know what I mean? Just opening up and realize and just understanding that it's okay to talk about those things is like really where I was like, all right, like
2: so,
1: I, I need to stop bottling things up. Casey. It's not a negative
2: thing. Talk about it. So, Casey, to your point, I think one of the things that we have to recognize, um, and I and I'm discussing this as a therapist quite a bit, is that the that the bulk of any therapy that you will do across your lifespan will be more so with your peers, your co-workers, because those conversations are therapeutic. What we're mm-hmm. doing right here is a therapeutic. Um, level of support just conversational mm-hmm. so it doesn't to your point once again it doesn't have to be with a therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist those are all great resources but the day to day engagement and sharing with those close to us what we're dealing with or struggling with research tells us if we can do one of two things we will get relief on our issue yeah. that is either right about it Or talk about it so it may not fix the issue but it allows us to relieve pressure around the issue so that's a great point you bring up and i just think it's
1: really important for people to understand that like to not get discouraged right so it's like i have been to multiple therapists right i did not feel comfortable with them i didn't um felt like it did anything for me Mm -hmm. um but it's important to understand not to give up, right? Nothing yep, nothing good right. comes easy and that also <clears throat> applies to mental wellness. It's um, and it's good. really just understanding I you know what I mean? Like I, I was very discouraged like the first time I was like, Okay, I finally have the guts to go and try to get a therapist you know what i mean uh, you know and that that was just an addition to you know being able to talk to my friends and my peers and things like that it was like okay let me try to find like another outlet too that will help me and maybe it's a therapist that doesn't know me that is non-judgmental that's not going to judge yes. me that's just going to speak from a very general standpoint and really listen to me understand my story and and not be biased yes. but it's like i said i went and i I didn't like the therapist that I met, and it was like, it was very discouraging, but it was like, okay, I can't give up. Let me continue. And I feel like with a lot of people that I've talked to, a good therapist or somebody that they liked and could talk to did not come on the first try. So I really want to stress that, you know, if you are seeking to talk to somebody, you know what I mean, in the professional standpoint, that if it doesn't work out on the first try, don't give up. That's because right. I really don't
2: know anybody that found a therapist on the first try that they were like, all right, like,
0: this is the one. Yes. That's great advice, Casey. <sighs> and it, a lot of times, I know for me, for example, the therapist that you may have seen at 16, once you get 25, it may not you may not need what that previous therapist provided you. So it, it, it can yeah. come a point in time where, okay, I like this therapist. Everything is going well my life uh, asks for someone different to assist me, and there's nothing nothing wrong with that.
1: No. Yeah, it's all about growth, you know what I mean? Like, you outgrow your friends, you outgrow your therapist, you get older. Like, it's it's all about
0: just really understanding yourself and where you're at in your life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, okay, so we ask all of our guests um, a couple questions. F- for you, if you could speak to your 16-year-old self, what what advice, um, any message that you'd give her?
1: I, I think I kind of mentioned something similar earlier was just don't keep everything bottled up. Mm. <laughs> don't don't have that mentality that oh, it's your problem. You have to deal with it by yourself. And really just I guess just understanding that mental health isn't anything negative. You know, just being a little bit selfish when it comes to yourself because your mental health is so important and and I don't think being 16 I could understand that but if I could tell my old 16 year old self that I feel like it would have lifted a bunch of weight off my shoulders.
2: Mm. So I'll add just a little piece to that, and it'll be the, 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 the last piece that I'll add, is would any of the, what you just described in, in giving advice to the 16-year-old version of yourself, would would anything be different if we were talking about you as a 16-year-old in the middle of this coronavirus um, scare and issue that we're dealing with? Would there be anything specific that you would tell your 16-year-old version in these times, um, I would probably,
1: in these times, I would, I just seeing sixteen-year-olds and how consumed they are on social media. I would probably be the same way. I would tell myself to get off social media and to do more face-to-face interactions with people. Um, like I understand it's quarantine, whether it be like face-to-face on Facetime, but get off social media, have real conversations, whether it's with your family or friends or cousins or sisters or whoever it is that you can talk to,
2: like, I just feel like that is just so important right now. Casey, when I grow up, I want to be like, I want to be like you. Good job. <laughs>
0: Casey, thank you. We appreciate you taking the time. Um, great stuff. We we can If you could let our listeners know your social media handle so they can follow you.
1: Yes, it's um, Infamous
0: Casey. That's K-A-Y-C-E on all platforms. Okay. All right, Casey. Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Casey. Of course. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. And we thank you for not only tuning in today, but for helping to normalize the conversation around mental wellness. This podcast has been brought to you by Everyone Has a Story and Broken Blanket Media. Until next time. This has been The Right Conversation.